pretty powerful testimony, isn't it, about Embrace Grace? How many of you ever heard of Embrace Grace? Okay, I'll just tell you, again, it started right here at Gateway Church. It's uh, 46 states, nine countries. It just keeps growing and growing. Um, we gave, when I say we, that's you included, because if, as you know, uh, 15% of everything you give that's tithe, you know, like if you give toward, toward something, then it goes exactly toward there. But if it's unmarked and it's just tithe, 15% of everything you give goes out of the doors here to other ministries, missionaries around the world, but we also believe in missionaries here in America. <laughs> and we, we, Amy is one of those missionaries. We gave a large seed gift to help her get started to go national, and we've given her counsel and advice and served on her board and continue to give. We give every year to Embrace Grace, and any of you can give to Embrace Grace if you like to. Think about when uh, these young ladies would get pregnant years ago the church would actually shun them. What a horrible, horrible example of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now these young ladies are getting saved and raising these children in church. And so I think it's fantastic. So, so that's only part of what we do. And that is also leads me into where we're going the next six weeks. Uh, I'm going to preach for the next six weeks, actually seven, because the seventh week will be Easter. Uh, but we're going to enter a capital campaign because we need to update all of our campuses. We need to start more campuses, and we need to do uh, several things at the South Lake campus. And I'll explain to you why we need to do that in a moment. But the very first thing that I want to say to you is we're, we're going to take up. We're, we're going into a capital campaign. But relax, <laughs> because we will never, ever put pressure on you to give financially. We don't even pass the plate. You know, we've never passed the plate here. And you are the most generous givers I've, I've ever met with. I just met with one of the pastors of the largest churches in America, and we give four times. Our giving is four times that. And in most, uh, and, and the highest giving churches in America, let me say this. The highest giving churches in America were twice as high. And it's not because we have a lot of wealthy people. It's because we have a lot of generous people. That's what it is. So I am, I'm commending you. Now that I've commended you, I need a lot of money. <laughs> we are entering into, and I'm going to take about five to ten minutes to explain this, and then I will preach, okay? Um, but we are entering into the largest building program any church has ever done in America, $180 million. Now, don't let that scare you, okay? Because our income last year, this is, you have to understand how large Gateway is. So it's, but the income last year was $176 million. So in a capital campaign, you can normally raise two to three times uh, what your annual income is. So our building campaign is $180. But I hope you're really excited for this. We're only asking you for $100 million the church is going to pay $80 million out of our budget. You ought to get excited about that. The... So some of you didn't get over the fact we're only asking you for $100 million. Okay. But that's not you. That's not you personally. Okay. That's, that's, it's everybody. We can easily do that, but you still have to sacrifice. So every year we've asked you to give over and above your tithe to Heart for the Kingdom. And that's how we do capital improvements. But we, we need to do more. And here are the two reasons 
that we need to do it and we need to do it now, okay? We need to reach the unchurched and we need to reach the next generation. So, uh, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy told you last week, and by the way, wasn't that one of the best series you've ever heard, The Four Laws of Love? Okay. So, um, and I listened to every one of the messages. I thought they were fantastic. Um, but we, we, we have decided that whoever wants the next generation the most is going to get them. And Satan wants them, but we want them more. And we're going to put our money where our mouth is. So we've got to build facilities and at every location where the next generation wants to come and where unchurched people can come, people from the community can come, okay? So just stay with me, all right? I'm gonna share with you some of the things we're gonna do. You should have gotten, when you came in, now is the time. Did y'all get this little booklet? Okay, if you read it during the sermon, it is sin. So don't read it during the message, okay? Please, but please, you can look at it when it's home, it'll give you a little bit. But I just want to show you just a couple of, of things in here. Um, first, let me just show you the, the entire South Lake campus, what it's going to look like when it's done. Um, on, the, on the end, the far, the, the right, the great big building is a sanctuary with a children's building inside it. If you come on down, you'll see a 200-seat wedding chapel. You're not going to have to rent a wedding chapel anymore if you want to get married at Gateway Church. We've owned a wedding chapel for years. So there's the 200-seat wedding chapel. That's a 200-seat. But we also have a 700-seat wedding chapel right there with an event center that will seat 700 people for dinner. So you're going to have your reception here as well. The reason we did both is because average weddings we found are 50 to 150 get this, are 350 to 600. So we have a 200 seat and a 700 seat. But it's not just for weddings. We can have meetings there. We can also have memorial services there. And a lot of people like to have a memorial service in a building different than the sanctuary because they come to worship in the sanctuary, you know? And so for some people, that's difficult. And for some people, it's not. For some people say, hey, this is where I, I, you know, my, my mother or whatever went to heaven, you know, this was our last service here. So, but we can use these buildings for all sorts of things, all right? Um, we're going to have, I don't know if I have, I'm trying to think of what pictures I have next. Just show another one, I'll tell you what it is. Okay, so there's the lobby, and notice the baptistry, how beautiful that is. We're, we're finally going to have an indoor baptistry, um, and you come in one door, you can baptize probably six or seven people at the same time. You go out another entrance um, that's a great big hallway joining. We're going to have a lot more spaces. Let's go to the next. Um, this is, we're going to have an entire, the kids' building is going to be totally redone. But let me say something. We're redoing the kids' uh, center at every campus. Every campus, because we want the kids to come. We're also doing things for youth at every campus. So we're going after the next generation, okay? Um, another picture here. I think we have another one. Oh, that's, okay, you ready for this? That's going to be the new Frisco campus. Hey, Frisco. Okay. So the Frisco campus has the building on the right, which only seats 600. Get this. Their building seats 600. They run 4,200 in attendance. Five services, totally packed. So we're building a 1,200-seat sanctuary beside it. We're building places for them. We're remodeling that for children 
you know, there'll be a food place, there'll be outdoor spaces. We bought the 12 acres beside it, paid cash for that. And, and most of you know, we, we have no debt. We have no debt. We have money in the bank. We're managing our money well. So, so um, anyway, that, so that's going to be the new Frisco Center Church. Uh, then I think I have the Dallas maybe campus next. Yeah. So the Dallas campus, great campus, but it needs to be remodeled. So we'll completely remodel the Dallas campus from the outside, make it more modern. It's right on Hillcrest. Uh, I think there's an inside shot of the Dallas campus, uh, shows uh, the new lobby and all that. But we'll also, I don't know if we have one of the kids at the Dallas campus or not, but the right now, the kids' building is as far away from the sanctuary as it could possibly be. So if you're a mother, you understand when that, if the number comes up on your screen, you're, you are now upset, you know, because you have to walk about 10 minutes to get over there, find out now that your child has stopped crying and everything's okay, walk 10 minutes back, and I'm saying, in closing, you know, so we'll completely redo that. I don't know if we have any more pictures or not. I just, I just asked them before the service, is that the last picture? Just put something else, put me, there you go. All right, so that again is the whole thing. Oh, so, so let me just say, start at the bottom. You've got the 200-seat wedding chapel. Uh, there you go. That's so it shows small chapel, the auditorium, kids' classroom. There, that auditorium seats 1,000. That will be for uh, youth and young adults. There's another auditorium will seat 700. There's a lifestyle center. There'll be workout center. You can work out here now. You can bring your friends uh, you can lead them to Christ here, you know, all that. There'll be outdoor spaces. There's a food mall, which will have other restaurants in it. We just build out the spaces and we let them finish it out. So you could have meetings here. We'll have lots of classrooms, 200 to 500 seat classrooms. Um, and then we're going to have a studio for Jim, Pastor Jimmy and I to film our television programs, tapings, small conferences, whatever we need to. Um, one of the reasons we're focusing a lot own South Lake is because South Lake is our global hub. We, if you, you probably know this, but we are an international church. We host a conference every month that you don't even know about. We just had 300 pastors here last week, but we had to rent somewhere else for them to meet. The reason is because South Lake, when we got here, we, we just barely got on this. You know, we did all we could to get here. And here's what I said to the guys. I need at least a 4,000 seat sanctuary and, uh, and we need a children's building, and that's what we built. And we have a few classrooms. We need a lot more classrooms. We need a lot more gathering spaces. We, need, we, we just need to completely update. But every campus gets something. And so I want to say something to the other campuses for a moment. We, like Grand Prairie Campus, we spent $25 million renovating the Grand Prairie Campus. Here's what I want you to know. Every campus gave toward that. Every campus gave toward the Grand Prairie campus. Every campus gave toward the North Fort Worth campus. Every campus gave toward remodeling the NRH campus, and we've got more remodeling that we need to do there. So every campus has given toward other campuses. And, and Jackson Hole, we're, we're, we're working to completely remodel your, your campus as well. So um, here's the great thing about Gateway Church. You give even if it doesn't just benefit the campus you attend. That's incredible. That's incredible. We have other churches. Um, 
I'm, I'm close friends with the largest churches in America. As a matter of fact, I just spoke at the two largest churches in America in the last two weeks when Pastor Jimmy was here, the two largest. And uh, we're either the third or fourth largest church in America. doesn't really matter, though. We're not running a race. We're just trying to win people to Christ. But I just spoke at the two largest churches in America, and they both said it's very hard to have a capital campaign because you can't get other campuses to give to other campuses. And I didn't say it to them, but I, but I wanted to say you can in Gateway because we're here to build the kingdom of God. So, so I want to say thank you, and I wanted to tell you one more thing. We have put on our master plan, oh, we've donated the five acres, five acres, that's the largest, the highest five acres on our property. We've donated the land and $4 million to marriage today to build a marriage conference center to honor marriage in the world. So the other thing we did is we are setting aside land to build a campus for the King's University. Because we've got to do something. We've got to have dormitories. We've got over 700 students, graduated over 100. It's fully accredited, uh, bachelor's, master's, and doctorate. And so, so let me just tell you some more exciting news, okay? <laughs> so uh, I know the Green family real well that own Hobby Lobby. We went and presented them the vision to build a campus for the King's University. They are donating $32.5 million for us to build the campus. Isn't that wonderful? So, shop at Hobby Lobby. Okay. Um, I, here's what I'm telling you. God is moving. God is moving. We are about to start campuses in other states, in other countries, around the world. I am more excited about what God is doing right now. We're about to celebrate our 20-year anniversary but the next 20 years is going to be phenomenal. God's been building the foundation. Now, in this, in this booklet, in the back, it, it says, pray, believe, and commit. And there's a commitment card. I do not want you to make the commitment yet. Because I'm going to go six weeks, and then we'll turn in our commitments, and we'll give a miracle offering. The miracle is not how much money comes in. It is the, what God does in our hearts. As a pastor, I love capital campaigns. By the way, the last time we did a capital campaign was to build the South Lake campus. It was in 2008. It's been 12 years since I've asked you to do this. We just asked you to give us a, an estimate of what you're going to do over and above your tithe every year. That helps us do capital improvements. 12 years we haven't done this. I love capital campaigns. I want to tell you why, as your pastor. Because you will have a spiritual experience if you will enter in. You will go to a new level with God because you'll get to hear God and you'll get to believe God and obey and then watch what God does. Okay, let me just ask you all something. Every campus now, how many of you have ever made some sort of a financial commitment and you watched God do a miracle in your life? Can I see your hand? Okay, trust me, it, it works. So don't fill out the card yet because whatever amount you think you're going to give I'm asking God to double it. Just wanted you to know. And if you're married and you come up with two different amounts, then your spouse is actually hearing God, the one that has the higher amount. I also want to say something else. 
We do have some people that have been very blessed financially. I've been having dinners with them and talking to them about it. Same way if we were going a direction in teaching, I would have dinners with the gifts of the, the people of the gift of teaching. So I'm not singling out people because they have more resources, but I know that God gave them resources for a purpose. So I've been having dinners with them. They're great folks, but I want to say something to the people that we have that God's entrusted you with more. Um, I, I need you to give more because you have the ability to. And I do not need you to be afraid of the economy. I don't need you to listen to the enemy. I need you to sacrificially give because $100 million is a lot of money and we need every person to sacrificially give. So everyone sacrificially give, okay? All right, so let me, let me preach. I did all that. You want me to preach to you? So I'm going to preach uh, The Blessed Life and I've got new things in it. And some of you say, I've heard it before. Um, you need to hear it again, apparently. It's been five years since I preached The Blessed Life. I did it in 2015. So we, and, and what we did was we have The Blessed Life and we have Beyond Blessed, the two companion books. They were, this, we only do this for you. These books are 20 something dollars retail. This is 15, this is 20 something because it's newer. Um, but they're, it's, they're $10 each, or if you want to buy both, it's $15 at Gateway. The only reason we do that is because we're not trying to make money, we're trying to help you. So if you don't have them, or if you say, well, it's, I've read The Blessed Life, but it's been 10 years. Again, I was just with the, the pastor of the largest church in America. Just with him. I just spoke two messages for him on a Thursday, and then he'll air them on the weekends. And uh, they run over 90,000 in attendance. He said, I read The Blessed Life every year, because I need to be reminded about it. And so, um, anyway, if you want to get those, you can. So, here we go. Um, the title of the first message is, It's All About the Heart. Now, when we're going to talk about finances, but please hear me. It's going to include a whole lot more. It's all about the heart. Giving is all about the heart. And I'm going to show you one of the most famous scriptures on giving um, that is more about the heart than about money. All right? So, Matthew, first I'm going to show you the parallel passage, then we'll go to Luke 6, the passage, all right? Here's the parallel passage in Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, let me ask you a question you can answer me. Look at those two verses. Keep them up there for a moment. Look at those two verses. Do you see the word money anywhere in those two verses? Go ahead and answer. Okay, so what would you say is the subject of these two verses? Judging. Okay, if you don't think judging is the subject, let me read it one more time and emphasize the word. Okay? Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Now, what would you say is the subject? What's the subject? It is not money. Is that right? Let me show you the parallel passage. But before I do, I want you to memorize the first statement and the last statement. Judge not, you will not be judged. Please say that out loud. Judge 
With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. One more time. Judge not every campus. Judge not, you will not be judged. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, the first sentence of Luke 6, 37, judge not and you shall not be judged. The second sentence, the of, of last sentence of verse 38 in Luke 6, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Are those the two same sentences? Okay, okay, watch what's in the middle. Verse 37, judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Watch verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, what would you say is the subject of those two verses? No. The word money did not appear in those two verses. Judging. You all read that same passage in Matthew 7, and you all agreed it was about judging. Here is my problem sometimes, okay? I have a, I have a little pet peeve. It is not that we don't understand Greek. It's that we don't understand English. <clears throat> <laughs> Give is a verb, but it doesn't say what? It just said, give, and whatever you give is going to be given back to you. But the context is judgment and forgiveness and condemnation. Are you all with me? So let me tell you what this verse actually says. Give judgment, and judgment will be given back to you. And here's the part that we used to like that you might not like anymore. Good measure, press down. Shaken together and running over will people give judgment back to you. This does not say, Luke 6, 38 does not say one thing about money. Money is not in there. Look at it. Read it yourself. Read it in any version you can find. Money never appears. But every time we hear Luke 6, 38 preached, just about, what are they talking about? money. You know, the Bible says give and it'll be given unto you, so let's all give. It's not talking about money. Now, you could apply it to money because of the word it. It is an objective pronoun, which means you have to, it's it's an object that has to be replaced with a noun. A pronoun must be replaced with a noun. Okay, so whatever you give will be given back to you. If you give Bibles, Bibles will be given back to you. Uh, If you give water, water will be given back to you. If you give judgment, judgment will be given back. If you give money, money will be given back. So it could be applied to money, but that's not what it's talking about. Is is everyone with me? So I'm trying to tell you it's about your heart. It is completely and totally about your heart. I um, was uh, doing a magazine uh, interview one time, article, or no, an interview, and I I do these quite a bit. And this guy said to me, how often do you preach on giving? And I said to him, every week. And some of you who've thought about what I said just about grammar a while ago are ahead of me. He said, how often do you preach on giving? I said, every week. He said, every week? I said, every week. 
He said, oh, oh, okay. You mean before y'all take the offering, you give a little sermonette on giving? I said, we don't take an offering. And then he said, oh, I didn't mean take. Before you receive the offering. I said, we don't receive an offering. I said, we give, but we don't receive. We give. And so that's the problem, by the way, with most preaching, is most preaching is actually on receiving, not giving. Most preaching on giving is giving you'll get, giving you'll get. I don't preach that. I do not preach uh, we give to get. I preach we get to give. Totally different. But I said to this guy, uh, I said, you, I think you meant to ask me how often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three to five years. It's been five years since I've done this series. But you just asked me how often I preach on giving. I said, I can't preach on prayer without preaching on giving. I said, I can't preach any message without talking about giving your life to Jesus. Are are y'all following me? (laughs) Giving includes so much more than money. So once you learn to give, it changes everything about your life. Everything. So I want to go to Deuteronomy 15. I want to talk to you about how to change your heart in the area of giving, all right? Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. I have four points and um, 10 minutes to do them. All right. And, and we'll see what happens. All right. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, notice God gave you the land, you shall not harden your heart. I want you to notice how many times it talks about your heart when it talks about giving. You shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that's all about your heart, lend to him sufficient for his need. Whatever he needs, beware, watch this, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, in your heart, by the way, God calls selfishness wickedness. A wicked thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, watch, and it become sin among you. So selfishness becomes is sin within God's eyes, and it's wickedness. So here's what he's saying. In Israel, every seven years, all debts were canceled. Anyone want to um, re- start that economic system again? Every seven years, all debts are canceled. So here's what he said. If someone comes and asks you and says, listen, I've lost my job and I need to borrow some money, do not let the thought even come in your heart, not your mind, your heart, because that's where you give from. Uh Uh-oh, we only got six months left till the year of Jubilee. So if I lend him this money, six more months, his debt's canceled, he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? That's a wicked thought. And it's a selfish thought. Now, I just want to... uh, help you some, okay? We are born selfish. We are born again generous. It's wonderful because the Bible says we're partakers of the divine nature and God's a generous God. So you want to be generous. That's what's great. You want to be. That's why, that's why Beyond Blessed was so important to try to help you to manage your funds so you could be generous, right? But we're born selfish. We're born again generous. But I just want to take a moment and say something, okay? There is a selfishness 
that men never grow out of. Never. And I want to say this because I want to help the ladies here. And I want to help the men. So ladies, please hear me. Speaking on behalf of men everywhere. We do not want to share our food. (laughs) And for some reason, you want our food. I called Pastor Tom Lane today. He's in Corpus Christi preaching, but Jan, his wife is here. Here's Jan right here. They've been here 18, 19 years. The very first time, though, I ever met Jan, I had I'd met Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Tom, and the very first time I went to Trinity Fellowship, where Pastor Jimmy was senior pastor and Pastor Tom was executive senior pastor, and I went to preach, and we went out to eat, but Debbie couldn't go because of the kids' school or something, so it's Jimmy and Karen and Tom and Jan. I never met Jan before in my life. We're going around the table ordering. When I ordered, Jan said, oh, I'm glad you're getting that. I've been wanting to try that. Am I telling the truth? I said, well, you better order some. Because you're not getting any of mine. You know what she did? I've never understood. She said, oh, pish posh. What does that mean? As soon as the waiter put my plate down, she reached over and grabbed some of my plate. She still has not gotten free. (laughs) And neither have I. So, all right. So this first point, deal with a selfish heart, might just be talking to the men. Okay? All right. All right. Here's number two. Deal with a grieving heart. A grieving heart. I'm just going through the verses. I read 7 through 9 of Deuteronomy 15. Look at verse 10. You shall surely give to him. And your heart, it is all about the heart. Your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will, watch this, for this thing. In other words, if you'll give with a right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So let me just say something. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Have you ever given and then and the washing machine breaks right after you give, or the car breaks down, and you, and you think, I shouldn't have given that. That's the enemy. Don't allow grief. Now, here I am sitting here talking about, you know, I, I'm, I'm preaching to you, and I had this thought go through my mind, and it's crazy. And I've, I've been preaching almost 40 years, and this happens all the time. You probably had it during the presentation at work, and I know just to let it go, but I'm just going to tell you what the thought was. <laughs> I... I, y'all know I carry $100 bills to give away. And I just sat here, while I was reading that, I just thought, I don't, I'm out of $100 bills. I was going to go to the bank yesterday, and I don't have a... <laughs> Look at that. $100. Isn't that nice? All right, let's keep going. So anyway... <clears throat> okay, no, no, no. Let me talk about it. You know why Thomas came out and gave me that $100 bill that quick? Because I gave it to him before the service. 
So, so, so let's just be realistic. Is he grieving about, no, he's not grieving about that. You're not, no, no, tell the truth. (laughs) He's not grieving. Why? Listen to me. I want you to catch this because he returned to me what was mine. Yeah, come on, clap. The only reason you ever grieve after giving is because you thought it was yours. But it all comes from God. All right, here's point three. Develop a generous heart. Next verse in 15, chapter 15 is verse 14. You shall supply him liberally. One uh, version says generously from your flock. Watch from your threshing floor, from your wine press. Watch from what the Lord has blessed you with. You shall give them. So you got to develop, you got to deal with a selfish heart, deal with a grieving heart, and develop a generous heart. So, um, we, uh, I told you we're born selfish or born again generous. So our children are selfish. That's just all there is to it. That's, that's why they want you to get up in the middle of the night and give them something to eat. You know, they're selfish people. Um, but hopefully they'll grow out of it one day. Uh, our, so our son and daughter-in-law, Josh and Hannah, they're in Austin, you know, at, at Table Church now. When they were here and Willow, their daughter, was like three years old, they picked them up from church, children's church. And Willow said, Mama, did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies? And she gave both of them to Jesus. And Hannah said, yeah, I've heard that story. And she said, what do you think about that? And Willow said, I think I would like to give Jesus something. So Hannah said, well, why don't you just pray and ask Jesus what he wants you to give him? So she's watching this in the, she had her her little makeup mirror like down. She kind of set it where she could watch. And so she's watching and so Willow goes like this. And then she went, what? (laughs) No, Lord. She said, not, not, not little baby. And then she said, she went, oh, bitty baby. Yeah, you can have bitty baby. I don't like her. (laughs) Okay. That's cute when you're three, but when you're 30, that's not cute anymore. You should grow out of that. Everybody got that point? All right. Here's point four. You develop a generous heart first. Point three, point four, develop a grateful heart. Verse 15, you shall remember, I underline three words, I want you to remember them. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Now, the three words I want you to remember were slave, redeemed, and command. Okay, now we weren't slaves in Egypt. Listen to me, according to Romans 6, We were all slaves to sin. God redeemed us. Therefore, he's commanding us to be generous. Y'all should have liked that better. Let me say that again. We weren't slaves in Egypt, but we were slaves to sin. He redeemed us. So he is commanding us now to be generous. He's commanding us to be generous. We had a pastor and our wife, 
a pastor and his wife stay in our home one time. We were having a conference, and so we, they were friends of ours, so we just asked them to stay in their home. The pastor and I were sitting um, uh, in the living room talking, and Debbie and the pastor's wife were sitting at the table, dining room table talking. And then the pastor excused himself and went to the restroom, and I overheard this conversation from my wife and this pastor's wife. She asked my wife a question that a lot of people ask my wife. She's been asked this on television, you know, when we do interviews together. Um, How did you feel the day your husband told you that he wanted to give your house away? And some of you know our testimony that we, by God's grace, were able to give our first house away. And I'll share that, actually, the whole story of that in one of the messages. But this pastor's wife said, Debbie, how did you feel when Robert said he wanted to give your house away? This, and Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. And the pastor's wife said, can you elaborate why you felt great that he wanted to give your house away? And my precious wife started crying. And she said, you have to remember that Robert wasn't saved when we got married. And one day, I got a new husband. And here's the thing about Robert. He's never gotten over getting saved. He's never gotten over it. When you think about the commitment that I'm asking you to make, if you'll just be grateful, you won't have a problem making any commitment God asks you to. No problem at all. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Now, you don't need to pray about the commitment yet. That's going to be, you know, the sixth message. We'll all do commitments. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking about God speaking to us about our hearts, about giving, about selfishness, tithing, things like that. We'll talk about that in this series. But the main thing is just what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And he might be reminding you of really truly how grateful you really are for what God's done in your life. Or maybe you need to give your life to the Lord today. Because I gave my life to the Lord in a motel room and Debbie can tell you, she got a brand new husband. Not perfect one, but a brand new one. 